Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast is my friend, Patrick Risk. Welcome to the podcast, Patrick. Thanks, Richard. Just to give us an overview of what we're going to listen and learn from Patrick today is Patrick was on the podcast about a year ago. He is a return missionary, active member of the church, works for the church professionally in the meeting house facilities, has worked there about five years and has worked for the church seven years. And last year's podcast, Patrick was brave enough to talk about his um, sexual abuse that occurred for six years in his life from age six to 12, same-sex sexual abuse, and talked about that in a real vulnerable, honest, courageous way. And Patrick is one of my heroes for talking about that um, and the things he's learned in the gospel of Jesus Christ to help him and give him hope. Before we did that podcast a year ago, Patrick was going into a marriage with a woman and had hopes that that marriage would work. And um, Patrick will talk a little bit about why that marriage didn't work. Um, And I like to really be cautious of trying to place blame when marriages don't work. It's complicated. And so I think the best thing we can do is just put our arms around both people and wish them the best if a marriage doesn't work out. And... um, Patrick, as part of this process, has come to terms um, with the same-sex attraction, and um, we'll update our listeners on that and his journey to f- understand more about himself. And Patrick offered a prayer before we started. I should start recording those prayers because it's one of the finest prayers I've given, and I just wish you could all be with Patrick. He's dressed in a white shirt and tie. He came straight from work, and he is one of Heavenly Father's finest sons walking a really unique road without mentors, without a lot of people that have gone before him to know how to navigate this road. And and Patrick is hanging on to his relationship with God, our church, and doing the very best he can as he's moved forward and is willing now to give our listeners an update on his life. And I, I think the reason I'm glad he's doing this is I think it helps us all know how to better minister and support and help each other. And being vulnerable and honest is a great way to do that. So Patrick's taking the lead here as a great example for all of us as he opens up. Anything that I've said that's not correct so far, Patrick? Nope, that's been perfect. Thank you very much. And so why don't you start with um, just, I think, something that you've written down, which I think is really thoughtful to write something down so you can be able to share exactly what's on your mind or any other thoughts before you get to what you have written down. Yeah. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, it's been a, definitely an um, a journey the last year since the last time I, I was on and shared some of my experiences with with my abuse and and the road to healing that I've been on there and then and then the experience um, since then with with my marriage and and that um, not working out and so so since then I've done some exploring and and, um, and figuring things out um, and just self-analysis. And so just sharing, I, I thought it'd be good to, to share some of that. And so so I'll just kind of read some of the, the stuff I prepared of, of, you know, there there really are things that happen to us in life, um, things that, that really don't always make sense, things we didn't ask for or that aren't always fair, things that, that really change us and they change our perspective of the world. Um, and like I said, I decided to do this podcast in hopes that by discussing my experience, it might help illuminate the dark corners. We so often like to hide these things we wish would disappear. 
Um, it's my belief that that which is born in the dark flourishes there. So it's really only by bringing it into the light that we're finally able to gain that perspective to see the proper place to put the experience in um, those experiences that we long to get rid of. Um, and so, as I mentioned, and um, uh, as, as many know, and from the podcast last year, um, I was sexually abused as a child from six to 12. Um, it was a, a male cousin that's 10 years older than me. Um, in the ashes of, of kind of that stolen innocence and the brokenness of my wounded soul, I've often asked the time-worn question of what if? If I hadn't been abused, what would I be like now? Would I not have had an eating disorder and the various impacts from that? Would I not have missed out on, on so many opportunities I let pass by because of immobilizing fear and anxieties? Would I be married already with children um, or my marriage would have worked out? Would I not have same-sex attraction? Believe me, I have gotten lost on that endlessly winding and never progressing road of what if. In relation to the latter question, Regarding my sexuality, about a year ago, I had I had that wake up call to the what if dream cycle that I found myself stuck in. Um, you see, I, I falsely assumed that by answering the what if, I could change the what is of my reality. In other words, if I could relate my same sex attraction to my abuse, then that would magically solve the problem. It would go away. Maybe I was right. Maybe the abuse did cause my same-sex attraction. It, it only seems logical that a young boy having repeated sexual experiences and abuse by a man from 6 to 12 years of age is, is obviously going to create some confusion for that, that boy and that man. Um, but what I finally realized is that what if didn't really matter. It's, it's in what now that I really needed to place my focus um, I don't know what I would have been like without the abuse. I can't change that. What I can do is determine what I'm going to do now because of the experience. With all the new pieces added to my puzzle of life, I'm going to have to figure out how to fit them in. This is going to completely change the picture, but that doesn't mean the end product won't be just as beautiful. What's more, it will be entirely unique, a one-of-a-kind picture created by a thousand pieces of experience. So in case anyone has missed this big, big revelation, um, for the first time publicly and without hiding behind the explanation of what if, I'm acknowledging what is, I have same-sex attraction. As many know, being a devout member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that doesn't make this easy. It makes my future even more uncertain and creates a thousand more questions. But by acknowledging it, I can now bring into the light that which has been hidden in the dark. And in that light is where I think I'll find a way. In unequivocal declaration, I affirm my testimony of God and his eternal plan of happiness. So despite not fitting the general mold of membership in the church and the challenges that this will present in my life, um, but acknowledging with added appreciation, those that experience this, I recognize and, and never will judge um, individuals that kind of walk their in, own individual path. Um, we are each figuring this out in our own way, and, and God surely will help us in our discovery. He will meet us where we are, and he will walk with us to where we need to be. And so where I began is, is kind of where I'll end this, and then we can get into some, some questions. But 
again, things happen in life, things that we can't control, especially when we're younger, obviously. They're absolutely formative and impactful in, relate, in relation to the individuals we develop into. As the beginning chapters of a book, setting the stage and laying the groundwork for the grand novel that's to follow. Although we can't go back and rewrite the pages of our history, we can determine what is written on the pages that follow. No matter how your story began, you get to write its ending. Circumstances do not dictate our existence. Yes, they impact and mold our present, but they do not determine our future. We do. What if means nothing when answered with the defining question of what now? That's entirely up to us. Thank you, Patrick. We could just end the podcast right now, say a closing song and prayer, and have thousands of hands reach out to you through this microphone and put them around you and tell you we love you. Thank you. And that's beautiful what you've written. It's honest, it's vulnerable, it's courageous, it's full of hope, and it's full of the doctrine of Christ. And I just praise the host that I may now ask questions um, that are helpful for you and our listeners and do everything I can as a host here to bring more understanding and love and support. Um, as you're the example here, you won't like hearing this word, Patrick, but I consider you a hero. Oh, thank you. You may not look in the mirror and feel that way, and you've kind of come out of a marriage that didn't work, and you've been a survivor of of things that were not part of anything that you caused to happen or, and absolutely not your fault. And so you may not want to hear that word, but I think you're a hero. I think you're a hero for being alive. I think you're a hero for um, loving God because you could get angry at God, and you might have been a little bit. And I've learned that that's pretty normal. Um, you're a hero for figuring out your eating disorder and this probably what was going on behind that. And now you're talking about the future. So um, I think I speak on behalf of all of our listeners. This, um, this cycle is something that I think all of our listeners and all of us that have priesthood responsibility to help others probably find people in um, the what-if dream cycle you're stuck in. Just talk more about that. Yeah. I think that's been, in terms of the extent of my anger with with God, I haven't ever felt super angry at him because I just love him too much. Um, but um, But... Um, I think the extent of my anger is more so just the what if, um, what would I be like, um, without the abuse? And obviously that's a vicious cycle because you can't, you can't erase it. Uh, it happened. And it, like I, like I said, it's formative. It's, it, it define it changes you. It doesn't have to define you, but it obviously is going to change you, um, and change your perspective and your experience with the world. And so, so it's been difficult figuring out that that what if and letting well rather letting go of that what if um and rather trying to look forward and say all right what now what am i going to do now which has been hard if you're counseling me and i know you work a suicide hotline i haven't talked to with our listeners all the different things you do but you do work a suicide hotline you have suicide prevention training if that's the right term if i if you were my bishop or my father or my friend and I and wanted to break this cycle for me, let's say I 
grew up in a family without a dad, you know, and with just really unfair, difficult circumstances that were very different than a traditional family setting. Um, maybe a parent that was killed by a drunk driver and a brother that whatever. And what would you say to me to sort of get me out of the what-if cycle and and, re- and, and, realize, and to try to point myself forward? Yeah. What I've found has been the most um, interesting, isn't the right word, but as I've, as I've done the, uh, as I volunteered as a crisis counselor and those I've talked to that are um, contemplating suicide, uh, you know, they have the, they have the idea, the means, everything there, and they're, they're moving forth. And one last hope they're reaching out on crisis text line. And, and so I'm talking with them and I have found the thing sometimes when they get in that circling pattern and I just feel like I can't break them out of it. I think the thing that is, is amazing to me is, is, by showing them love and by giving them a compliment, it just totally disarms them because it, it shows them that they are worth it. Um, and so that's where I would start is just first you need to recognize that you're worth it. Um, no matter what's happened to you, um, you're still loved. You still have value. You still have so much potential. And you're strong. You're so strong because you're still standing despite everything you've been through. And and by starting there, usually that helps people break the cycle a little bit. Uh, just uh, kind of see the crack a little bit of where the light maybe is coming through a little bit of, yeah, I can't do this. I, there, there is a way. I, I, I am still standing. Um, I am still worth it. Um, and then and then, then that's where the real work begins, obviously, at that point of, of trying to find your way forward. Um, how much is the atonement of Christ? Because I think about the atonement of Christ, and in my life, I first recognized it's the way to become clean from sin, and there's no sin here for you. <laughs> I want to be clear on that. But the atonement has the ability to take pain away that's not our fault, and also maybe to help break a cycle like this where we can look forward with more hope and be at peace with our circumstances. Any thoughts on the atonement's ability to do that for you, Patrick? Yeah. I know one of your recent podcasts is Elder Callister. Yeah. Um, and his Infinite Atonement is one of my favorite books. Um, and that truly does, that book just, it, it shows you how much more the atonement is than what we sometimes think of it, of just uh, taking care of sins and mistakes. It really is that enabling um, power that really encompasses everything. Um, it, 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 it's, it's what transforms us, of, of takes this hard and difficult life and, and uses it to transform us and create something that we could never become without it. Um, and, and so that's really how I've come to understand and appreciate the atonement is it's it's so much more than just taking care of those mistakes i've i've made but also giving me the ability to overcome the things that that i didn't ask for and that just happened because of this life it's just we're in a fallen state and it's it's not easy any thoughts for our listeners because i remember there's kind of this step-by-step process to use the atonement to overcome sin. It's kind of this, I don't want to say it's mechanical, but it's sort of known. And I kind of, we teach it on our missions 
and we know we go through the steps and we become clean. But I always, it was always harder for me as a YSA bishop to teach, to help the YSAs know how to use the atonement to overcome pain in their lives that wasn't sin-related. It was less formula-based and more just any thoughts on that as you've tried to do this in your life? And if you're trying to help other people that have pain that's not sin-related in their life, they're trying to get rid of how to do that. Yeah, it's a good question. And, and you know, I feel like I'm definitely not qualified to speak we, on it because I'm still figuring it out. I too. know, that's uh, the challenge is none of us are qualified to speak on this, Patrick. <laughs> so I just keep asking people. And, <laughs> but, but, um, I think it's where, in terms of in my my job um, um, as a planning manager, my my DTA, the director of tribal affairs, will often say planning isn't a science; it's an art. And I think that it's I I, I like that. And I think that's what the atonement is. It's not a science; it's it's an art. Um, and and by that, what I mean is is every experience is probably going to be a little unique. And so that's why it probably is such a difficult question to answer because how I answer it is not going to apply to how somebody else might answer it or it applies to them. It is such a personal thing. And so that's where I I think the most critical thing, and I'll often say that to people, especially individuals who might be struggling with their testimony, is the most fundamental and important thing, I think, is your individual relationship with Christ and with Heavenly Father. So whatever that looks like for you, if you find that in a pew and you sit on Sunday, um, great. If you find that on Sunday by going out in nature, wonderful. However you find that your relationship with Heavenly Father and Christ is strengthened, that's where you need to spend your time focusing because that's only when I think the art of the atonement can start taking place. I love that answer. And I love the idea. It's an art and it's different for everybody. And you, I love Elder Callister's book, but it's probably very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I love that general advice. And I believe in the power of the atonement to have us to heal us. One of the gay men, I, I'm paraphrasing his blog post, but he said, I first wanted the atonement to, to change my orientation. Now I just want the, now the atonement's just healing my broken heart mm-hmm. and helping me feel at peace with who I am versus changing who I am. Yeah. And I like that. I thought that was very thoughtful and very spiritually mature insight. Talk about this idea of, of keeping, and I'm paraphrasing again, that, well, the darkness to light. Mm-hmm part of your letter. I think you talked about that a couple of times. Share more on that with our listeners. Yeah, I think um, I've just always, uh, in general, in terms of, um, I love the the symbolism of light and darkness. Um, and and probably because I've, I've felt that in so many ways in my life, um, in terms of even in those moments of of darkness, I've I've still sensed the light, um, whether that's angels watching over me or whatever it it was. But I I really even, you know, in the moments I was being abused, I there was still something that kept me going. Um, and and um, and so so I think um, that's what I I, I love about kind of the uh, light being a, a description of hope. Um, and finding a way um, through 
the darkness, whatever that darkness might mean for you. Um, obviously, we all have different trials and experiences and, and things we, we go through or are going through in life. Um, and it's about finding that light that's going to show you the way, way through it. I like that answer. I think it's very helpful. And I just think as we're able to, to genuinely sort of address some of the things that are going on with each of us individually and however we choose to address that, but addressing that and bringing them into the light, maybe part of that is just our own light as we see those parts of ourselves that, that sometimes we don't want to see. And that helps us just to come sort of come to terms with ourself on the, the things that, and I don't want to say those are bad things or wrong things. It's just things that we need to address to improve in mortality and grow. Um, why, why tell people you have same-sex attraction, Patrick? Yeah. You know, good and question. <laughs> I know you probably debate that in your mind back and forth all the time. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's twofold. Um, I'm a strong believer and I've become stronger in that belief as I've been more open with my abuse and, and various things that although it's not easy and I'm not, I'm not saying everybody should go shout things from the rooftop or that type of thing. But, but the more we talk about things, the things that are really vulnerable to us, things we're going through, the more, uh, as I mentioned in this, the more light we, we bring um, to it. And in that light is where we're going to find healing. We're going to find community. We're going to find people that I've been through something similar. Um, we're going to find, and so I just, so I'm, I'm, I'm deciding to be open with it both as a way to bring light to it for myself. Um, so kind of almost a selfish reason of saying, um, it's gonna, it's gonna help me heal by bringing it into the light. Um, whatever that healing looks like. Um, and then for a less selfish reason, if it can help anybody else, um, if it can, um, again, make others feel like they're not alone, somebody else is going through it or yeah. Um, um, and just creating that community, if you will. That's a really good answer. And I just, you know, when I read coming out stories, um, I, I hear a consistent theme that people want to know if family and friends and coworkers will still love them if they know this part about them. And this part about them being their sexual orientation, their gender identity is who they are. And I think that's really helpful. And my guess is people will continue to love you. And maybe it's, you sleep better at night and you're more at peace and you just feel more authentic around people that you care about, that they know this and they still see you as Patrick Risk, um, this wonderful disciple of Christ doing the best he can in his life. And I, so I'm hoping there's some healing that comes into your life as as people become more aware of this part of you. And I think we both recognize not everybody comes out. I've been thinking a lot about, I get a lot of messages from people um, listen to the podcast that don't feel impressed to come out. And I've never felt impressed to say, well, you need to come out to be authentic or you're not being true to yourself. And I, you're shaking, you're nodding your head in agreement. And I think it's a road for everybody that's unique. But I think your story still helps people not coming out because I think it helps them to feel okay about who they are and helps and maybe part of coming out is just coming out to ourselves um, and being at peace with who we are. 
Any more thoughts on that, Patrick? Yeah, I think that's so well said. I think um, what I've, in terms of, obviously, this is all a little new for me, but even in the last year as I've been working through these things and 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 by doing that and becoming more open, I get the opportunity to hear other people's stories and, and sit in the ashes a little bit with them, um, is that no story is the same. And it's beautiful in terms of hearing everybody's different paths. And it's, it, you, like you said, you can't say what path is the right. There's not, it's, not a, it's not a science. It's not saying, well, if you do this and this and this and this, this is the right way to come out or come to terms with your same-sex attraction or, or whatever it is you're, you're dealing with. It's everybody's unique and every path is, is their own. Um, and um, I think ultimately um, it will all work out in the end. Um, in terms of, obviously, um, as you get into specifics of, especially from a church standpoint of doctrines and commandments and that type of thing, people sometimes get overwhelmed by those. But I think it is, it's, it will work out in the end. Um, our, our Savior is, is completely loving, completely compassionate, and completely understanding. And so he's not going to let things be unfair in any way. Um, it's going to work out. Um, good answer. I, you know, I'm thinking back to when I served as a YSA bishop, and we had about two or three men that were divorced in the ward. Um, it kind of every divorce is different. Um, and I recognized in all of those cases, I felt like both parties were doing the best they can as they went into that marriage. No one went into the marriage hoping it would end in divorce. Everybody went in with best intent, and in all of those the three or two or three men that I met with, I'm not sure I had any women that were divorced. I just recognized somebody doing the best they could. And um, I think, and I said this in the introduction, I think sometimes when we see a marriage that doesn't work, we want to understand the backstory. There's maybe a curiosity side of our brains that go, what, what happened, especially in a marriage that ended quickly. And I've learned to try not to do that. I've learned that's not I've tried to get my mind out of that space. <laughs> um, maybe it's using your example of um, um, instead of what if, it just I, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to treat the couple the same way. And to try to just not try to find sometimes the nice, nice tidy box of our mind says, well, we're just going to find the fault here as a way to protect ourselves, perhaps that that would never happen to us. Hmm. Um, so if we can find a reason for a marriage not working, maybe that keeps us emotionally safe. But I don't think that's really what we need to do with our baptism covenants to mourn, bear, and comfort. I'm not sure finding out the backstory helps you, helps me help you mourn, bear, and comfort. It may just add to your burden as I ask inappropriate questions. So I appreciate you being honest about the divorce, and we visited ahead of time, and and it didn't. It was a marriage that um, didn't last very long, um, and I think. You know, my impression is we just move on the best way we can. Um, and I, I, any thoughts just you want to share about the divorce and the marriage and just anything I've said? Yeah. Um, no, I really appreciate what you, what you said. It definitely touched me. Um, it, it really is. Um, we often, like you said, we, we want to know the backstory. We want to know the reasons why, because, 
I think sometimes we think in those reasons we'll find a way, like you said, to protect ourselves from, from future hurt. Um, but often we, we get lost in, in the reasons and, and just end up getting more hurt. Um, and so, so I think it really is about, um, of how do you move forward? Um, and, um, it, it doesn't matter why it, it just matters that it is, it, it happened. And, and so, so, so now what do we do? Um, and both in terms of supporting both people and, 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 and what does their life look like now in terms of healing and, and becoming whole again? Um, and so, so for, for me, um, Obviously, it was it was difficult going through the whole experience. There was lots of judgments, and some people did reach out to me. and um, And the f- amazing thing to me, and I apply this to a lot of different things now. I, I try to obviously, it, it's always hurtful, um, regardless of how much you tell yourself that it, it isn't you, or or you try to build yourself up. With it, but it, it it's always going to be hurtful when somebody judges you, um, um, because it you feel like they don't understand or, or, or then you maybe beat yourself up and maybe they're right or that type of thing. But, but I found that the individuals that, that were harshest sometimes during my, um, the process of going through my divorce or my annulment was, was those people often opened up to me. I, I just, I would, I would, usually when they would send me a harsh message or that type of thing, I tried to just respond in the best way I could of, of just saying, I appreciate your feedback or, or, um, I, I appreciate your reaching out. I like to tell you, um, maybe the other side of the story or that type of thing, if they're only hearing one side. And usually when I did that, um, then they opened up to me and, and, and would say, usually they were being harsh or critical because of some insecurity in themselves, whether it was because they went through something similar or they're worried that they're going to go through something similar. Um, and I find that's the same case with any time. Anybody usually attacks you in any way. Usually it reveals a, a insecurity in them. And that helps in terms of um, viewing them with more compassion and love rather than obviously you could get mad at why are you judging me? And, and then it becomes a back and forth if you're both mad at each other. But it, it by viewing them as also a wounded um, warrior, um, then you're obviously looking at them a lot differently. Um, and that helps a lot, I think. That's one of the finest answers ever given on this podcast. <laughs> to a question about how to handle somebody that is not kind. Um, you're 30. You've learned some things in your life that I haven't learned at 58, and our listeners are learning from you, Patrick, and it's part of who you are and your ability to help other people. That was such a Christ-like answer. And in your moment of pain and, and difficulty to have messages that are harsh, I like that term you used, instead of helpful and and to have the emotional sort of capital and capacity to be that kind, and maybe some days you weren't. <laughs> Um, maybe some days you swore under your breath or even out loud, and I think that's okay. Uh, it's a great answer. It's a very insightful answer about um, others with a lot of compassion. Yeah, um, I just think, you know, I don't have a lot of experience in the space of 
being divorced. I'm not divorced. Um, I did date divorced women as I, and I never, I never thought I would date divorced women before I married my wife who's not divorced, but I was kind of stunned with their maturity and with their insights into relationships and their realness. And I was really drawn to some of their, um, and so I had kind of a black and white feeling I would never marry a divorced person. And that really shifted in my twenties as I dated some divorced women and then being a YSA bishop as I met with these men. And I realized the increased understanding about relationships and them growing closer to Christ. And I just recognized, you know, that they, I can't remember who they married um, in my mind, but I recognized if they were marrying my own daughter, I would be very comfortable with them, even though they'd gone through divorce because of who they are. And then I remember a talk from Joan, by the way, that I used to tell the YSAs and when a relationship ended, either, you know, the few that it, most of them in the YSA ward obviously end before marriage, and it's really painful if you end up after marriage, they end. But John always used to say, well, you can't heal the other person. You still actually really care about the other person when a relationship breaks. You usually, but you want to heal the other person. And John said, you have to let the Savior heal the other person. God loves whoever you broke up with. <laughs> and even though you feel bad, or even if you're considering a breakup and knowing your heart it's the right thing, but you said, I can't hurt this person, even though I'm absolutely sure it's the right thing, you have to turn that over to the Savior and recognize that that's, that's their brother and they have heavenly parents that are their parents that love them. Mm-hmm. And um, most of the relationships that I know of when someone gets divorced, it's not really practical to stay in contact or when someone breaks up after a serious relationship, they, and, and that, I think that's just the reality of the situation. And you both move forward the best you can, but you want Heavenly Father to take care of the other person. And then we as a community do what we hopefully are doing with Patrick is just love him and point him forward and, and in fact, show an increased measure of love because we know that Patrick's walking a really tough road. And we could say really nasty things, um, if we wanted to, but I just don't think that's fair. Um, any more thoughts on that, Patrick? Yeah, I think that's that's well said, and 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 just understanding that. Um, that's I mean, that's really what life is 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 all about. That's what we're here for is is learning and and growing and 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 experiencing things, and um, and that gets messy um, um, because because we make mistakes and, um, and sometimes those mistakes affect other people. Um, often they do. Um, and that's where you can't, uh, you can't go back and fix the things that you broke and only really the savior obviously can do that. And, and so, so that's where we have to rely on him and give it to him, which isn't easy because we always want to take it upon ourselves. Um, we want to be the fix it people. We want to, um, we feel like we need to take the burden on us. And, and so it's not easy to let that go, but that really is, is the only way to find healing. And like you said, sometimes that involves, um, you know, like you said, of, of kind of the science of uh, the repentant process. We always talk about restoring what you can and, 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 and that type of thing. But sometimes it, it doesn't fit that. And, and sometimes that by letting go is, is, is how you're 
moving forward and that might be letting go of the relationship maybe you can't keep a relationship with that person after you've gone through the the divorce or annulment and that's okay that doesn't mean that you're an unforgiving person or that you're you're bad it just means that you're moving forward and and you're both healing on your own terms and you're in your own way um and kind of as much as you can taking a a starting a fresh having a fresh start if you will um and so what did you do to kind of be able to move forward after the divorce because i assume that's an emotionally really difficult spot um and so you've walked this road that some of our listeners may be walking or may be able maybe needing to help others walk what did you do to be able to move forward yeah i think the the thing that helps i mean I did a, a, a number of different things. That's when I started getting really involved in the um, crisis text line um, and doing some volunteer work. And and I, I I'm I've always been a strong believer that the best way to lose your or the best way to find yourself is to is to lose yourself in service to others. Um, and so that's kind of um, one of the approaches I took is is how can I how can I move forward? And and that was by kind of losing myself a little bit um, and, and serving others and, and getting vulnerable with others and, and seeing other people on their vulnerability, um, like with the crisis text line and kind of um, becoming a wounded healer, um, if you will. Um, and that was, that was helpful. Um, I think also it was um, a lot of just personal reflection as well of, 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 of trying to focus on where do I go from here? And I'm still kind of figuring that out. And, and so, but looking forward rather than continuing to look backwards, um, I think is, is, was also helpful because it obviously made it. So I felt more hopeful, um, stop living with regret, um, stop beating myself up and say, all right, what am I going to do looking forward? And so, Great answer, and I love the way you've turned to serving people to be able to help heal yourself instead of just closing down and isolating yourself. And I think that takes real courage, and that may not have come on day one, but it, it did come for you. And now you're taking your experiences and helping other people. Um, I'm remembering our visit, and we talked about, you know, your abuse, and, um, and you had hope this marriage would work. Um, and I wouldn't have done anything. I felt really comfortable with that. If I had been your friend or your priesthood leader, I was very comfortable with your feelings about getting married and you being in the right spot. And so I think, I hope none of our listeners would say, well, if you'd just been more honest about your same-sex attraction or if you'd just been more honest about this or that, then you wouldn't have gotten married and you didn't do the right thing because you didn't fully own up. And please, let's don't anybody do that to anybody Please, please don't do that. You went into that marriage and I wanting to do the right thing with complete hope that this would work out and being really honest with your fiance about your sexual abuse history. Um, and so I just look at this as part of learning and part of mortality. And I don't, yeah, it's painful. I'm not even sure it's a step backwards. It's possible that if God could join us on the podcast, he would he might even quote Elder Uchtdorf with this impressionistic painting talk and say all these different dots in the eternal perspective of things make sense. And he might even 
take us to 40,000 feet and look at your your life and your former wife's life and be able to help us understand the context of what happened here. And maybe even, it's hard to say this, and I, it, but even the increased understanding and ability to help other people that comes into both of your life from walking through this very difficult chapter. Um, I don't think Heavenly Father would bring someone in a marriage for it intentionally not to work, just so you could learn things. I don't quite go that far, but I think we just leave it at the Savior's feet because we don't see the full impressionistic painting. We're not at 40,000 feet, and we're making the best decisions we can. And I think he would just point you forward full of hope and that this is going to be part of your mortal experience. And and I think he would just say, you're going to be okay. And this doesn't change anything about your dreams, your hopes, or the future, because this dif- difficult chapter that we would define kind of as something that didn't work out. Any thoughts on that, Patrick? No, I really appreciate that. That was that was beautifully said, and 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 I very much believe in in that 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 things, like you said, it's hard to it's hard to say uh, that God wants or creates or or anything like that in terms of. Um, of uh, some type of tragedy um, in, in somebody's life or, or something that goes on in the world in terms of, but I truly do believe that God does have a plan for all things. Now, whether he created the situation or not, that's that's beyond the, the argument or discussion. It's more so that he does have a plan through it. Um, and and um, and so I've, I've, I've always had that a belief with my abuse with my I remember I remember one time one of the things that um the eating disorder is kind of what brought to light the abuse because I was I was having to be hospitalized um because I was, I was basically my or, my internal organs were starting to shut down and so I, was, I had to be hospitalized for my eating disorder and this is under eating not overeating under eating yeah so I was at a extremely low weight in my uh um, yeah. Um, and, um, so I was, I had to be, um, hospitalized for that. And so through that, my, my parents, um, were like, what's, what's going on? And so they had me start seeing a counselor and that's when obviously abuse started coming to light and, and how subconsciously the eating disorder was, was, um, kind of an escape for the abuse, a way to control something in my life that felt like everything else was out of control. Um, but I remember, through the healing process as I was on this road to healing both from the eating disorder and then working through the abuse. I remember one time driving in the car with my mom and driving. And I remember, I don't, I don't what, I don't know what precipitated the, the, the comment, but I remember looking over at her and I'm saying, and saying, mom, do you think that God gave me the eating disorder? Um, so that the abuse would come to light. And she like, was taken aback by that of thinking, why would, why would he do that? But then kind of thinking about it and pondering it and thinking, huh, that's an interesting way to look at it. And so, and so I just very much do have that, that belief that sometimes God leads us to hard things because of something greater that we don't yet see. Um, and whether that something is because we'll become a help to somebody else through our experience or whether it's just to develop us into more compassionate, loving, understanding people. I mean, why did he go through everything he went through? Um, it's so he could understand us 
so he could empathize with us in a truly meaningful and deeply personal way. And so how are we ever going to be able to be that to somebody else if we haven't gone through some hard things too? Um, and that's usually when we're able to understand others best is when we've gone through something similar. It's really well said. Um, I'm going to reread. <laughs> I want to stop and just replay that, what you just said. Um, but I'm going to read a paragraph from what you said earlier. Um, I don't know what I would be like without the abuse. I can't change that. What I can do is discern what I'm going to do now because of the experience. With all the new piece, pieces added to my puzzle of life, I'm going to have to figure out how to, f- how to fit them in. This is going to completely change the picture. But it doesn't mean the end product won't be completely just as beautiful. What's more, it will be entirely unique, a wonder-of-a-kind picture created by a thousand pieces of experience. And when Patrick read that at the beginning of the podcast, in my margin in big, huge letters, I wrote the word hope. So here you are taking this really difficult experience and looking forward with hope. And hope to me is one of my favorite words. It's the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the core of Christ's message is give us hope in our brokenness. We're all a little broken. You're just more honest about it than most of us are, Patrick, which is a sign of great strength and the ability then to help people. Um, so that's a that's a wonderful paragraph that you wrote. In fact, the whole letter is one of the things I also wrote out early in the um, letter. What it, It's the what if. What if I didn't, you know, what if I had not had an eating disorder and the various impacts in my life? Um and just all the missed opportunities, the fear, the anxiety. Would I be married already with children? Would I not have same-sex attraction? And then I thought of, you know, your life is different. There's no way I could sit across the table and try to explain this away to you and say, no, your life's just the same as my life. That would be so unfair. And so as a principle of ministering, I have to acknowledge how difficult that is and how unfair that is. And how painful that is as much as I possibly can um, as your friend. Um, but then I thought of, I wrote the word Afghanistan on the side. And I remember giving a YSA a blessing. And I shared this a couple of times in the podcast who served in Afghanistan. And he knew that innocent lives as part of his bombing runs to get the bad guys, he probably killed innocent family members of the bad guys. He was pretty torn up about that. And I placed his hands on his head and I had... There was no way in my mortal mind I could I could reconcile this, that people left earth life, um, I would say prematurely because of a military action that he did everything right. He knew in his mind he had done everything right, but his heart was broken. And the words came to my mind during that blessing is no one's eternal possibilities have changed because of what happened in Afghanistan. And so I think of the same for you, Patrick, and all of our listeners that have Patrick-like things that have happened in their life and wonder, my, and I would say, yeah, mortality has changed. Um, there's no question that mortality has changed for you. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way potentially, but it's different. But, but I don't think your eternal possibilities have changed and your eternal destiny. And that to me is the strength of our restored doctrine and the ability to see 
the complete sin of salvation and sort of go 40,000 feet sometimes in that doctrine to be able to see the full picture of the plan of salvation. So I don't know how you feel about that, Patrick. <laughs> no, that was, that was, yeah, I... So your hope from, yeah, so I think all your hopes are still on the table and I would hope they come in mortality, but I would think, you know, I just don't know. Yeah, well, like you, I, I've been, that's been one of, in terms of the past year, um, and especially with with like the the, the same sex attraction, um, like I mentioned, especially not knowing what that what that means for my life. Um, um, but realizing that, as I've as the past year, I've just I've had an extra added measure of I don't know if it's perspective or, or like you said, in terms of thinking about, and it doesn't make it any easier. Um, but thinking about um, this life. And if you think about the timeline of, of God, um, you know, they say, what, a, a thousand years to him is a day. Um, and so our life, whether we live 80 years or however long we live, it's really a, a couple, uh, you know, 30 seconds, a minute. It's so short when you think about it. And so as you think about it, and, and again, not to, to dismiss how difficult this life is and how much it does feel like um, everything. Um, but sometimes stepping back, like you said, and realizing that whether in this life or the next, we got a lot of opportunity ahead of us. And if something was taken from us in this life um, that maybe we didn't deserve, um, whether that be your innocence as a child with abuse whether that be your life with somebody that committed murder or or in a war, if something was taken from us in this life, that doesn't mean that it's not going to be restored to us in the next. And given, and we'll have just all the opportunities that we would have had. And I think that that's hard to have that perspective. But I think that's really when we talk about hope. That is hope. That. That it, that changes everything. That changes the whole ball game. Is is by having that perspective. Talk about your future, because some would say, "Well, you've tried. Um, you have same sex attraction. You've tried marrying a woman. You should never. You should close that door, and you should marry a man, or you should be celibate." Talk about just um, your future. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say as it pertains to anybody who's thinking, well, you, you tried that and you, and you shouldn't, shouldn't have done that. I will say um, very clearly, um, one of the biggest lessons I've learned in all this, um, and specifically in, in, in the situation with my marriage and, and going through the annulment was don't ever force anything. Um, if it doesn't feel natural, and I mean, obviously we always have to push ourselves a little bit um, and get outside our comfort zone and, and that type of thing. But if it just doesn't feel right, if it doesn't come naturally and you're just doing it because everybody else says that's what you're supposed to do or whatever the case may be, don't, that's not, that's not a good enough reason. Don't ever force yourself because it might work for a season, but sooner or later, you're going to start oozing out of that cookie mold and you're, you're not going to fit within it and, and, and something's going to break. Um, and so, so I think that's really important um, to, to communicate. So, um, but, 
But for me, in terms of what my future looks like, it's, I don't know. Um, and that's okay. Um, I'm, um, you know, whether I get married a- again in the future or I live the rest of this life single and that doesn't come until the next life, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I do know that it will work out. Um, and I do know that um, as I remain true um, to that relationship, my personal relationship with, with my Heavenly Father and Savior, that, that everything else will work out. Um, and, and there's other ways to find fulfillment in life. There's other ways to, to feel that connection with people that, um, that I can still have a full and fulfilling life with, without having the picture perfect, um, cookie cutter mold of, of what we usually think of as a fulfilling life. Good answer. Really good answer. Do you keep the door potentially, do you keep that door open of marrying a woman? Is that door a little bit open? Yeah, definitely. I think it's more so it's, it's open. I'm, I'm open to, um, like I said, whatever comes my way. And, and, and obviously it's going to take a very special person. Um, I, um, but um, like I said, if if that's what is in the plan um, for this life for me, then and I think it will happen. Um, and I just need to be open to it and and take the experiences that come my way. I, I like that answer, and I asked that question, um, believing you'd give that answer. And I think it's a courageous answer because your heart's been wounded, and you know, in some ways, that decision wounded someone you care about, and so. The protecting our heart side of our body would say, I'm closing that door, I'm putting nails around it, and I will never go approach that door again. But I'm glad you're willing to keep that door open. And and and, it, and the other thing I would also ask, I don't think it'd be my right or anybody else's right to tell you not to keep that door open. We also, we often want to give opinions to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so if you know, I would never give you opinion. Well, Matt, Patrick, you've done that. You can't ever do that because mm-hmm. um, that voids personal revelation for you. I don't have personal revelation for you. Um, even as your priesthood leader, I'd be nervous about doing that. I'd be comfortable giving you general principles of relationship, but I'd say, Patrick, you've got to work that out with Heavenly Father. I don't know your plan. Maybe in a priesthood blessing, if I spoke for Heavenly Father, there would be some understanding there, but I would be very hesitant to give you um, advice on locking that door. Um, so that's kind of my thought is I think we just, what we would do is just say, we love you, Patrick, and stay close to God and he'll help you know your path versus us trying to become prescriptive and say, this is what you should do now. And I don't know if you get other people with SSA saying, well, um, talk about why you don't take on the gay label. Because one of the things I've really tried to um, support in all of my LGBTQ friends is letting them take on the label that they want mm-hmm. and not try to, if you know, not try to have other people LGBTQ say, we got to take on the same label I've taken on. So just talk a little bit about why you have taken on the label of same sex attraction and yeah. not gay or other labels. Yeah. You know, in terms of, I think the wisdom. Or uh, I don't know. Um, 
I think I can understand why there's a desire to want to break down that connotation and maybe stigma that's with the gay label. Um, because, and, and, and just to be completely frank and, and honest about it, I probably do hold some of that stigma in, in me. And so maybe that's why I'm not taking the label in terms of, cause you know, I, whether you were teased when you're younger of you're gay because you don't fit the masculine mold and, or whatever the case may be, there's a lot of stigma and negativity, negativity associated with that. And as it relates to same sex attraction, there's not as much because from a church standpoint, that's usually, oh, you have that, but that means you're not acting on it and then you're, you're fine and that type of thing. So I think, I don't know if that's, it's why I've, 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 chosen that label over another but i think regardless of labels um i think the experience is the same in in many ways um it's somebody that's attracted to their their same sex um and that looks different for everybody um and that's okay um that's one thing that i've learned a lot in the last year as i've started to get a little bit more involvement and insight into the lgbtq community is that every journey is different um and it's impossible to say there's a one size fits all that this is the right path if you experience this this is the path you need to take that's impossible to say because there's a thousand different paths and all of them are right for that individual um and so so that's where we just can't judge and like you said we just gotta love uh, love them and and support them and and give them encouragement and and just support them along their way as they figure things out really good answer and i think someone can be perfectly authentic with who they are and take on the label of same-sex attraction and someone be perfectly authentic with who they are and take the label of gay and it doesn't and and so we just honor different labels the way you shared. Um, some people would say, well, everybody that experiences same-sex attraction or gay is a victim or a survival of sexual abuse. And my experience is that's not true. Do you want to address that at all? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think that's tr- true. I think um, there can be uh, many instances, whether somebody... You know, you'll you'll hear all you hear all types of reasons in terms of oh they were they were abused in the past by their same gender or they didn't have a good relationship with their same gender parent or wherever the case may be. There's all types of reasons, and then obviously you have the people to say, "Well, I was born that way," and I think again it becomes going back to kind of what I what I said in my statement of that's a, that's a lot of what if. Um. And we get lost in what if that that cycle, that dream cycle of what if, um, and it's more so. I think we need to focus on what is, um, and so whatever it, whatever created the attraction, or if you've always had it, that doesn't matter. It is what it is, and what does that mean now? And and so I think that's really where the focus needs to be. It's a great answer. And I think of parents that have LGBTQ kids, they may go through the same cycle of trying to explain this away. And that may be, your advice may apply to parents of LGBTQ kids. And instead of spending all that mentor energy trying to understand why, it's your suggestion to point forward and think, well, how do I take care of this kid? Yeah. And how do I love this kid? And how do I keep this kid connected to God and feeling good about him or herself? Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's very helpful. Um, other thoughts you'd like to share that come to your mind, Patrick? Yeah, I think, like you said, I I I spent so many years, and like I said, I don't I don't know where. I mean, like I said, logically, if you want to look at it from a logical standpoint, it makes sense that maybe my same-sex attraction sure. came from because I was abused, and obviously, my first experience with any types of sexual experience was with a man and at such a young age but i i i completely i spent years trying to figure out the what if and the and the why and 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 why do i feel this way or why do i have these experiences or that i exhausted all my energy on trying to answer that and it got me nowhere um and so like you said in terms of any parent or anybody Who's, who's spending all their energy and time trying to figure out, I mean, there's obviously some discovery that can take place in, in terms of figuring out why you feel a certain way or that type of thing. But I think the real discovery comes from just saying, this is what it is. And what am I going to do with it? Because that's more forward focused. Um, rather than backward focused. And we can't fix the past. We can't change the past, but we can change the future. Um, and so that's, I think, where our true power lies. And that's really powerful. I, I imagine on these podcasts a lot, the people I meet with are the people I meet off, off the podcast of their older selves talking to them. It's and so you're 30. I just wonder what your 40-year-old self and your 50-year-old self would say to you, Patrick. And my feeling is your 40 and your 50-year-old selves would talk about all the people you're going to help and all the hope you're going to bring into their lives and all the hearts you're going to heal. You're, you're doing that already, but you're wired to bring hope into other people and heal. And you know this wounded healer quote that I share a lot. I think you referenced it, a minister's service. And that's who you are, Patrick, and many of our listeners will not be perceived as authentic unless it comes from a heart wounded by the suffering about which he speaks. The great illusion of leadership is to think others can be led out of the desert by someone who's never been there. Hmm. And you, for no fault of your own, know a couple brutal deserts. And so here you are on the crisis line the wounded healer on the crisis line giving hope to other people. And we didn't talk about one of the other things you want to do is um, the Borgen Project, if I'm saying that right, mm -hmm. which is get more funding for poverty. And so even though I don't think you grew up in poverty, you know other deserts <laughs> and you have the additional skills to relate to people in other deserts and want to bring them hope and healing. So my feeling is this is part of your mission. I don't know... You know, I don't think I'd be uncomfortable saying God wanted you to go this through this abuse. Or it was part of your plan. That doesn't seem very, that doesn't seem like um, consistent with our doctrine. It's the agency of somebody else making terrible decisions that affected you. But now to your point, you're looking forward and saying, how am I going to heal and help other people? And on some level, you're more of a wounded healer and you're more effective on that crisis line because of what you, the road you've walked. And maybe that helps heal you, Patrick, to know that you can go there a little bit better and you can help people out of those deserts. 
And I don't know if there's times in your older self you'll say that abuse was wrong and evil, and and but and you will. But at the same time, you I don't know if you do this right now, and I'm careful. I don't quite know how to communicate this. You'll recognize that because of that, I have some additional Christ-like attributes and insight and skills to help other people. I don't know if you feel that right now, <laughs> and if that's healing for you. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I very much. Like I mentioned, in terms of like that conversation, I reflect back on with with my mom when I was, you know, seventeen ish. Um, of, of do you think God made me go through the eating disorder for the abuse? And I think again, it's it's hard to say. Um, it, it, we all always feel um, uncomfortable saying that God created a bad thing, but is it a bad thing? Um, yeah, it's painful um, and it's horrible in the moment. Um, but in the in the ashes, in the flames, in the fire, is where things are refined. That's where gold becomes gold. Um, and so, maybe God sometimes does work in the fire a little bit um, in terms of transforming us into something different. Um, and um, and so, so yeah, I, I very much do. I have had moments of obviously, again, I've had moments of saying, "What if?" and I, and what would I be like without it? And then I've had moments of um, saying, "I'm glad it happened because it's made me who I am, and I'm not such a bad person." Um, and, and so, I think that's where we truly come to a place of healing when we can look back on those incredibly difficult experiences and look back on them with gratitude because it's made us who we are and we like who we are and we should like who we are because it's you're you've become strong you've become you've, you've learned you've grown you've become the person you are through those experiences and i think we should be grateful for that it's really powerful and it just gives you a foundation for the rest of your life and a maturity to help other people. Some people don't get to where, you know, some people, I don't know if I'll ever get to where you are in some ways, but you're already at a really good spot at a younger age. And I think if you find a way to be married, and I don't want to sort of be prescriptive and say that's your path, but I have to think that part of the reason this woman will fall in love with you is because of who you are and the complete who you are, and she will love that. And you will be able to maybe completely love her in a way that no other male could because of who you are. And so I would, I don't want to sort of put that pressure on you that that's going to happen, but I would be very comfortable like you are of keeping that door open and just recognizing that it only takes one to be the right one, but she may be able to see you and the way God sees you and you may be able to see her the way God sees her and come together and help and support and heal each other. I don't know if that'll happen, but I, I would think that that's a possibility. Um, and I see you as your ability to be a wonderful father. I don't know how that's going to work out, um, especially if you decide not to be married and maybe you're a father in a figurative way, in a much broader way, like you're doing on the crisis line, and maybe your older selves, if they were sitting here, would talk about your role as father, you will you will be a father. You are a father, and I don't know how that's going to work. If it's going to be biological children, or some other way, and 
but your role to be a father and a wonderful, perfect father figure for so many as part of your future. And I think all of our listeners know this, but I just, the thought comes to my mind is to reinforce the idea that you are innocent of all the abuse that you received. And as I talk to survivors of abuse, they teach me to not use the word victim, but survivor. Um, you are all survivors. And I think it's easy to look in the mirror and say, I did something wrong. I deserve this. Um, I'm, and so if there's anybody listening, and maybe Patrick will add to this, you are innocent. You didn't do anything wrong. You can't look at the mirror and say, this is because of you. Um, you are innocent and you need to look at yourself as innocent, pure and good and worthy of God's love and worthy of your fellow human beings love as you move forward to survive of, of abuse. Any thoughts on that, Patrick? Yeah, I think that's the exact message that that anybody that's been abused and, and really expanding it even beyond that of anybody who's gone through any difficult experience, or that again is abuse, um, being teased when they were younger, you know, struggling with same-sex attraction and, and being feeling like you have no place that you fit in, struggling with depression, whatever it is that you struggle with. I, my message would just be, I hope you know how loved you are. Um, it might not feel like it. You might feel like God's up there with a the magnifying glass and you're the ant under that magnifying glass. And, and uh, But he really does love us in, in such an incredible way. And your worth is just, it's just beyond comprehension. Uh, if you could just understand it, I think all of us would be amazed by just how much potential is within us. Um, and I just wish everybody would understand that and just really feel that because I'm, I know there's a lot of people hurting out there and I just want them to know how, how loved they are. And no matter what they've gone through, no matter what they've done, where they currently are, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, you right now in this moment are loved and you are worth it. And that's not going to change. And I think that's a great way to end this podcast with your powerful conclusion statement, unless you'd like to add anything else, Patrick. No, thank you. So we'll leave with that, that powerful statement. And Patrick Risk, thank you for being on our podcast. And thanks to our listeners to joining into another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. <laughs>